0: Hey there, I'm your host, Melina Putnam, and you are listening to One Bow, Many Arrows. The One Bow is our life. It's our personal brand, and the arrows are all the thoughts, ideas, and choices that we make to help us lead the best lives that we can, right? We're all here for a purpose, and this podcast helps share some ideas, and based on some really fabulous books that uh, I've read in the last year and I can't believe it's actually been half of a year since I last did a podcast. And so I've got a lot of catching up to do. And I decided the best book from last year to kick off 2020, to kick off that fresh start for the year would be The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. Uh, This was one of our uh, read and lead book club picks for Chicks in Charge, which is an Oklahoma City based uh, women's networking group. We have 50 members now uh, because it is the new year and had a lot of uh, signups here. And we have our first luncheon here in January. And Chicks in Charge is something that I hope will grow around the country. So if you're listening in another part of the country and you would like to bring a Chicks in Charge chapter to your neck of the woods, then definitely reach out to me. You can find my information at Uh that's M A L E N A L O T T.com, or Chicks in Charge OK. So let's dig right in, because the reason that I picked the Art of Gathering to kick off 2020 is because I strongly believe that collaborating and having a very strong tribe around you is a key aspect of growth. Um, You've heard that saying, it takes a village. I think it takes a village, not even uh, just pertaining to raising a family, but in starting and launching and growing your business and helping with all aspects of our lives and so the art of gathering really uh, does a wonderful job of helping us identify what are those areas that we could improve on when we are the ones that are event planning and Uh, you know, my word of the year in 2019 was flourish. So I knew that I had to get better about uh, gathering and community organizing, if you will, to be able to grow Chicks in Charge. And so this book was a wonderful way to help me evaluate everything that I've done and all the gatherings that I have. And so if you are listening to this and you are someone that, Hosts events, or maybe you're a part of a team that hosts events, whether that's for your company or your church or a community organization or nonprofit that you're a part of, or if you are a mom or a a, a dad out there that is hosting your next birthday party, or uh, you're hosting an event for a friend, or you're supposed to host. Uh, a bachelor or bachelorette party it doesn't matter what the event is these key ideas can help us in all of those things because it's really about the philosophy um You know some of the reviews and praise for the art of gathering are really saying that uh, it opens up new ways of thinking about wonderful gathering and delicious confection of smartly defined concepts and detailed examples Um, a brilliant and eminently practical guide clear and engaging book that really helps you set down you know, what you thought you knew. But then of course, when you're in the midst of planning an event, so that's really when we figure out that maybe we don't know what we're doing. And so in today's society, when so many people just want to engage online and, and that we live in a society where it's very competitive and there are so many other options out there, uh, we need to make sure that our gathering is going to be meaningful for others. And of course, that starts with drawing people to the event. So the awareness about the event, the promotion and marketing of the event, what platforms do you put on it? How do you set the tone for your event? Who are you going to invite to the event? And then goodness, what are they going to do when they get there? Um, no one wants to go to an event and just stand around and feel like you're a wallflower and feel like you don't know anybody or you feel like the outlier of the group. Um, You also don't want to go to a party where someone upstages the event or takes over the event from the host. And those were all really interesting things that I found about this book. It helped me look at all those things and wondering, you know, am I a good host and how could I be a better host? So let's go through some of those key ideas uh, that Priya puts forth in the book. Her key idea number one is that gatherings are important to the human experience, but too often we don't give them much thought so she even says something as simple as oh it's um it's my friend's birthday and I'm gonna throw them a birthday party and just assuming that you know what that looks like so maybe for example I'm thinking of you know my childhood growing up in the 70s and 80s what a birthday looked like was your friends came over and my grandmother would have a cake for us, and it was a cake that she had made. So, you know, you're gonna have candles, you know you're gonna have presents, and maybe there'll be a game. Or if it's nice outside, you would just say, Hey, kids, go outside and play, right? Well, those days are really gone. And if we do that, then we know that we're not really considering everything that's involved. Things are a lot more complicated today. So, is it a birthday party, for example, where the parents are expected to stay if it's children? And at what age would a parent just drop the child off and leave them in your care? And then if the, if you have invited parents, what are you going to have them do? So we can't just think then in terms of what the children's activities would be, but the parents. Um, here's another one then that's business related. Let's say that you're having an open house And uh, you may just assume, oh, an open house is an open house because we've all been to them, right? So you say, well, I'm just gonna send out the invitation and it's just gonna say, hey, come to my open house from five to seven, come and go. We'll have appetizers and drinks and you'll get a tour, right? So what is going to entice someone to come to that? If they are uh, friends of yours, maybe it is uh, the curiosity Um, but what, what about people that are potential customers or clients and in what way could you make them feel really special and that you want them to come to your event and that when they get there, they're going to have a good time and it's not going to be boring. That's the whole point of this is that, um, the art of gathering the art in it is that we're going to make it meaningful. We're going to take it from blah to a beautiful experience. So I agree, we can all, I think, agree that key idea, number one, that gatherings are important to the human experience. so then what we have to do is step back and say, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to come up with a plan. I'm going to strategize this event. And then I'm going to think about all those things, the tone, the audience, the mix of people, uh, what I want them to experience. What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to feel as soon as they have the event, actually, um, the event um, invitation. And so you're setting the tone for it ahead of time, so then that leads us to key idea number two: committing to a clear purpose for your gathering is the first step to making it great. So even if it's a birthday party, what do you, what's the purpose of the party? To say that we're going to celebrate, um, this this child is it, you know often the birthday party is almost more for the adults than it is for the kids, uh, especially when the kids are little the it's it's about the parents honoring that child and saying, you know, I want to celebrate that you have been here this last year. I've I've seen how you've grown. And so then we've got to think about what makes it special for all the relatives that are there and then what makes it special for the kid. If we're truly celebrating the kid, then we would let them have a say in it, wouldn't we? We would be able to say um, that it's going to be a smaller intimate gathering, for example, if that's their personality type. And so understanding personality types and again, the mix and, and the purpose of the party becomes a really critical uh, aspect to having a really great party. You know, my, I have three kids. Uh, now they're really almost all grown, 22, 19, and 14. And two of them are, are, turning a year older here in a couple months. And so my youngest, he has not wanted birthday parties since he was little. And he would only agree to uh, later having just a couple, two or three really good friends go out and I would take them you know, to a burger place, and then we would go maybe to the lake and have a, he didn't like cake, so he wanted a cookie cake. And so think about that. If the purpose is really celebrating them, then we would cater things to them. So the same thing would happen if it's an open house, you know, if, if, if you want your, uh, invitees to feel really special, what would that look like? And what's the main purpose of your event? So I am always in the midst of event planning because with Chicks in Charge, we have 50 um, boss chicks here in Oklahoma City who are members. And then I also plan women's conferences. So we have the She Leads Tulsa Conference and she stands for Smart, Honest, Empowered. So there are nine speakers there. And so not only do I plan that event and we've got to get it all organized and set the tone um, but then also I've added this year of VIP reception. So today, for example, I've got to do that event invitation for the just the VIP reception and send that out. And because we're having it at uh, the Tulsa Club Hotel in downtown Tulsa, it's a beautiful renovated Art Deco hotel. I decided that I was going to go with that theme. So I knew that I wanted it to be a woman in the the graphic I really wanted it to be an art deco art or art deco inspired art and because it is a happy hour I, I would also like for that art to have a glass in it so um, we're thinking about everything from the tone of the creative for the invite and then looking at who the uh, attendees will be and so I'm inviting Tulsa VIPs uh, Tulsa VIP women that have different leadership roles in different sectors in the city. And then the purpose is for the speakers, which we have nine speakers and the sponsors. We have several sponsors and then for some of the VIPs to be able to network and get to know each other. So since I'm, I'm very clear on that, and so it's going to make it easier for me to identify who to come and then what I want the look and feel of the uh, invite to be. So that's our key idea number two, the clear purpose. Okay, then the key idea number three is being willing to exclude people is a key step toward building a meaningful gathering. And Priya has several wonderful examples in the book of this, but think about the events that you have. And instead of thinking, oh, well, I just have to invite everyone, think about who is important to leave out of the event. Who is someone that may not feel comfortable or completely would set a different vibe? So for example, if it's a very intimate gathering and you want people to be very vulnerable, let's say it's a small group workshop, that kind of a thing, um, or even just a retreat, um, you it, it changes the dynamic if we have someone there that doesn't fit within the group. And so I, for me, I think that was the biggest sort of aha in it is thinking um, about who needed to be excluded as much as who needed to be included. Okay, so key idea number four then is hosts who act with generous authority will always deliver better events than hosts who are overly laid back. This is something that I think we all tend to um, fail in a little bit. A lot of times, as she says in the book, as a host, we feel like, oh, I've set up the event and people are here. So I guess I'm done. Like we do our food list, we do the prep list, and then we almost get a little bit lazy at the time, the the day of the event. Once everything's set out, then we sort of do this big exhale and think, oh, I'm done. But what she is saying is that hosts have to have generous authority. And what she means by that is you're not being a bulldog by saying that here's the rules of the party, right? So she's saying that it's better if you have rules and if you am um, act as the authority figure and that you are in charge the whole time until they leave of sort of um, steering and making sure that the party is great and I think that's why we have that term hostess with the mostest is that person who knows how to get around and introduce and making sure no one is the wallflower of the group and making sure that everyone is engaged and making sure that other people don't overtake your party because they have gotten um, out of hand or too drunk or um you know, whatever it's, it, you know, that's not an easy thing to do, but it's important that we look at that and and acknowledge that that if we are the host, that that is our job and to make sure that someone doesn't take over your party, that someone doesn't, for example, come to your event and then they just start trying to sell everybody on their latest, greatest thing, right? That would be a good example of that. Um, So that was a really good one. And then she moves on to key idea number five about having explicit rules for your events can be surprisingly liberating. The thing is, people want to know what you are expecting of them, right? So, if that's why things like dress code are so important, so we can't leave that stuff off. We also need to know. Am I supposed to? If you want me to bring something, even as simple as yes, bring a pen and a workbook. Um, we just had Namaste twenty nineteen and Namaste twenty twenty, uh, here in Oklahoma City, and so I made sure and go through, go through the list and say, have I set the tone and let them know what to expect and what I need for them to bring, what I need for them to wear. And so I said comfortable clothing because there would be a little bit of movement, a little bit of yoga um, to bring their own yoga mat if they had one. Um, but at the second one, we did have some extras in case someone forgot, that sort of thing. But also then the rules. And she talks about in the book, there are a lot of great examples of people that have very explicit rules for their... Um, party that some might um, think are extreme. So it just depends on, you know, what kind of an event you want to have and how much control you want to have over that. Um, For our costume party that my husband and I throw every um, Halloween, we say that costumes are required. You know, we don't want people to, it's not optional because it's not fun. And to me, That is what makes the party memorable is seeing everyone's creative costumes. And because we've now had five years in a row of this, people know what to expect. They know that people are gonna go all out on their costumes um, we have the costume contest and, um, and and we take pictures and then we share that and so it's it's a big deal to dress up for chicks in charge. We have the trick or treat ball and that is a costume party and uh, that's a girls' night out. So same thing, we ask women to come in costume because we are celebrating creativity and it's really fun. You can do so. Then we we set up parameters in, in there to say, do you want to? Um, you can have a solo costume. You can have the um, bestie costumes. There'd be two people or you could have a group costume and then we have prizes for all those different levels and they they get some nice prizes as a result of that. So you give people something to look forward to. It helps them plan better and then they know um, what's going to be expected of them. And even things like Nowadays, it's very common when, when you go to a party and people say, put your phones down or you go to a wedding and they say there are no phones allowed and they ask you to put the phone in the basket. They don't want any other pictures taken. So part of that is just getting people to pay attention because if people are bored at a party or feeling like maybe they're... Uh, Maybe they're an introvert and they don't want to talk a lot, but they felt like they wanted to come um, and if no one's engaging with them or trying with them, it could be easy for any of us to just get on the phone and start killing time there. And so if that's something that you want is that one-on-one attention, then having things like no phone, that would be an example of an explicit rule for a party. So just kind of think through those as you're planning your event. Key idea number six um, is priming your guests well, and honoring them on arrival will help get your gathering off to a great start. So I thought this was really interesting. She said, "Of course, the first step is when you name your your event, you send out the invite. You want to create curiosity, you know, ahead of time for your." Um, event. But then she's saying, so you've primed them well, but then you're also honoring them on arrival with something. So you want to uh, make sure that that beginning part, how you greet them, obviously, maybe it's that, you know, as soon as they come in, they get that glass of champagne or, you know, whatever that thing is that they could do to kind of kick off the party really well um, is, is a really great idea. And you know, for my, um, for our She Leads conference, we have people come in and then we wanted them to take a picture with the backdrop first. And so that kind of sets the tone for that. And then telling them after that, they can go um, get their coffee and, and then they can um, go find their seat. So it's sort of just It's the greeting, it's making them feel special, but then also is guiding them so that the event isn't just, you know, what's happening. You don't want people to be confused. So that clarity is really good. Then the next one, uh, key idea number seven in the book is it's possible to design your gathering so that they encourage people to bring out their authentic selves. This was really revelatory to me and thinking about the space for one thing is the space set up to meet the purpose because often there you might be in a space that's too big and so even though there might be quite a few people there they're really spread out so there's no energy I would say that's the number one thing that I've encountered at a lot of these nonprofit charity events that I go to is that that's what's happened. They really needed to only use like you can partition off a space. You can be really creative if there's a space that you're given to make it feel more intimate to up the energy. And so that's something that you could do there. Um, And even just thinking like, is this the right space to have this event? I know that I changed my venues for a couple of places because of that exact reason that I thought, you know, it, it was kind of expensive, it was going to mean that I'd really need to have more people come to not only have it break even, but then also feel like I ha- that it had the flow and the energy that I wanted. And so uh, for one of our parties, I switched to a smaller venue coming up. And so I think it will really up um, the level of kind of excitement and energy during the party and it's less expensive to have a smaller space. So it also made, you know, economic sense. So again, all that goes back to the very first key idea of, um, that we really need to give our events a lot of thought. And so we're going to think through each of those things. So for example, sometimes just having a free space is not the best thing because it's not going to set the right tone. Sometimes you could have, um, you know, I know cause I want to share you definitely the you know pros and cons of the things that, that I've done and experienced because I have had dozens and dozens of events over the years is that, um, for our chixella party that we had, which was a big summer festival, we had it at um at a place where there was a Ferris wheel and so it was cool, but the problem is it was really windy. And so it the booths were just blown everywhere. And I felt so terrible because all the vendors were having to really hold down their, their um you know clothes and things were just going everywhere and It was just, there's nothing that I could do about the wind. And so when you're looking at a plan A and a plan B, and sometimes there just may not be a a very good plan B if, if the weather is involved, if you are going to have something outside. So just think through that because that, um, I felt like that, you know, brought down definitely the satisfaction of vendors for sure, because it was, it was just so windy. It was windy for everyone to shop too. And there were a couple of areas where it wasn't as windy, but when you were out in it, you know, that's what happened. And so that's a bummer. So for all of you planning, you know, outdoor weddings and that sort of thing. So I'm going to make sure one of my criteria is to make sure that when I want an outdoor event, I'm going to make sure that there's a very good indoor place and not just, um, where it's just shielded from the wind a little bit but actually all the way in <laughs> so that way if it does end up storming raining whatever then you're covered and it won't feel like the whole event is washed out because of that so um, and then she's also saying here about to bring out their authentic selves is when you get, if you as the host, for example, if you're very vulnerable or you have three or four other stories or people that you want to meet, even if it's a dinner party and you want to have great conversation, she's saying that you can have that. It doesn't have to just be talk about people's jobs or all that, that you can have some key questions that you ask them. Like for example, what's the number one thing that you've learned in the last year? Or let's say, you know, so far in the new year or who's the most intriguing person you've ever met in your life and why? I mean, those are things that everybody, even a stranger, would want to participate in because that allows you to get to know a little bit about them and it also can bring the group closer and that goes back again to it being meaningful, okay and then the last one in here her key idea number eight was that too many events fizzle out rather than ending with a bang but there are simple ways to end gatherings well and that's true you don't want your event to just end with oh then everybody's leaving and that is the reason why um you for example can keep the food and drinks coming out at different times like there could be different markers throughout the evening of when things are going to happen and you kind of help transition the party through that having the goodie bags is something that a lot of people do I know for my events I like to have swag bags um, sometimes it's a shopping bag so if they they can shop at that but other than that Maybe it's something that you do leave them with. Um, I like to have uh, door prizes throughout the evening. And then I like to have the big grand prize. And maybe you have a big final dance song, for example. Like, here's the finale. Of course, some events have fireworks at the end. So just think about what thing could you do at the end that would make the event really special that they would leave with. So that, my friends, is the art of gathering um, think about what events you have going this year. You know, another pro tip that I'd have is just to start earlier. I know that with, um, especially with my conferences, since that is newer to me, since I only had really one conference last year, and then I'm having three this year, is that I didn't start uh ahead of time with enough leeway to get the sponsors and so that's something that you find out with different industries they set their budgets at different times of the year but you want to make sure that you get the save the dates well ahead of time that you get the information to people well ahead of time if there are people if this is an event that you're going to have every year maybe you invite them to the first one um and and do have photos and footage and um you know, one-sheeters, just anything so that you can prime them. And you might need that priming part more than a year in advance. And so it just depends on what level of event we're talking here and what is expected of the people that are coming. I know that some people have retreats that are, you know, could be all around the world. Well, that might be something that people need to save a lot of money for. They might need to clear out their calendar for it. Um, I am a big proponent of doing save the dates a month or two months in advance, even just for smaller parties. And then if it's something that's bigger, like at last year's, um, she leads Oklahoma city conference. We went ahead and and sold tickets that day at the lowest price that, that they'll be for, um, for, for this year's and we went ahead and told them the date so everybody would have that. And so we've been reminding people at the beginning of the year, my um, co-founder and I reminded people and did a save the date video at the new year to remind people again. So that's giving them four months notice for Oklahoma City. So that was pretty cool. Um, actually, yeah, we shot that even in October because that's when she was available. So that's why the planning is so important because there might be different aspects of it that you can't do all at once or that you might have to have the availability of someone. I have someone that um, my keynote for uh, Oklahoma City is in town today actually so i'm getting ready to go to an event where she will be speaking and um you know i told her let's let's chat about the conference and if i can get her on video if i can you know i've got to figure out what i can do but i want to do that now and you've got to always take advantage of the opportunity when it arises because sometimes you aren't going to get a say and when that is, and when others are available. So making sure that you've got that uh, flexibility built in, and you've got some time built in, so you're not procrastinating and stressing out at the last minute. is very, very important. So that's what I will leave you with, is that I just hope that you do have some gatherings this year because it is so important to have that one-on-one connection and human connection. I say, hey, I need some real FaceTime. We have, we can't just rely on digital connections exclusively. All the research points to really having a loving, healthy, uh, vital relationships, having a tribe, having a flock that you can depend on and building those relationships is so much better when we can do it in person at meaningful gatherings so i hope those all go well for you if you would like to reach out and connect you can um, email me at melina putnam at icloud.com and i would love to touch base with you if they're if, if they're if you're interested either in a checks and charge event or um, would like to come to our Oklahoma City or Tulsa event. There will also be a She Leads um, San Antonio event. We're actually calling Oklahoma City and San Antonio She Leaps because it's a leap year. And it's really cool because a lot of the events, the holidays that are happening in 2020 are on Fridays and Saturdays this year. So that's pretty cool. Valentine's is coming up and that's on a Friday. And uh, so really good you know, good opportunities to have some fun weekend gatherings this year. So I wish you the best. And as always, you know, just look at um, growing as, as you see fit, you know, as what works for you, just to pay attention and focus on your passions and your purpose, and then put everything uh, into alignment to make those things happen for you. So I look forward to seeing you next time.